Welcome back to Stories Behind the Grind with Aidan Vokalo. On this episode, I talk to Tony Watley, who founded an online community with over 300,000 members, and he's a number one best-selling author on Amazon. We delve into the entrepreneurial mindset and what to do when negativity shows up. My name is Aidan Vokalo, and here you will find business strategies, tips, and tactics that you can incorporate not only in your own venture, but your life, to help you simplify and strategically grow scaling up the impact you're having in this world. Listen as I talk to creators, innovators, and game changers on what it takes to build an impactful business, uncovering their insights, strategies, and tips to help you increase profitability and develop a thriving team culture. Welcome to the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. So Tony, can you tell the audience a bit about yourself, a bit about your backstory, and how you got to where you are today? Okay, I'm actually a resident of Houston, Texas, and I've put myself through college. I grew up without any money and, and basically put myself through college. I got an engineering degree where I went to work in the oil and gas industry for the last 25 years or so. But along the way, I realized that even at my early age in my 20s, that I felt like I was throttled back in life. I always felt that the jobs I had, I could do a lot more. I could take on a lot more responsibilities, like you know, make more money perhaps. But you start to look at your corporate life and you realize that you're going to be waiting in line behind all the other people that have been there before you because of the tenure rather than your talent. And so I decided at that point, probably around 25, I was, I was going to start building companies and doing things on the side and trying that. And that's what I did. I created more business. I have a lot of passion for cars. So I created businesses in the car industry in order to you know, establish myself into that something, something maybe that would pay for my hobbies perhaps, right? Mm-hmm. And those businesses just seemed to take off and it did re- extremely well. I started one in 2001 with a business partner and, and it grew into the largest automotive community, a performance community on the internet, which we sold later in 2007 for a multiple seven-figure exit plan. So that was the basis of the book that I ended up writing, The Side Hustle Millionaire. Was That entire business was something that we just did on the side. It was a passion of ours. We ran on the side became hugely successful because we operated it as a legit business and did all the right things to make it grow, scale, all these things that we put into place. And and that was the basis of the book to help other people understand that they have ideas, help them maybe encourage them to take that leap and take the entrepreneurial journey and start their company. And the book is basically covers a lot about mindset, a lot of the self-limiting beliefs that we have, a lot of the fears that we have. And lets them understand that everybody had the same fears when they started, but people still start. You can't use those as an excuse not to start because everybody has that. And we process that. We give you a lot of actionable items and responses to those excuses. And then we work into the idea analysis of your business. We work into the branding, the marketing, the corporate structures. Do you want an LLC or a corp? Things like that. And, and even in the, the final chapter, we talk about website design, like what's important nowadays for a, a good website presence. And we handle social media marketing and all kinds of things. The book really takes the entrepreneurial idea all the way to operation. So it's a way, I guess it's a, it's a manual. It sounds like it's a manual for, um, for people to read through and go, okay, well, I've got an idea now. now what do I do? What do I do next? And it sounds like it steps everyone through those, those critical steps. Exactly right. When you look at starting a company as the entire mess of all the actions and, and things that you have to accomplish to do that, if you see them as a whole, it just like looks like this giant pile of something that like, oh my gosh, that's overwhelming. I, how am I ever going to do that on my own? My career in, has been project management. I've been managing nine-figure type international business 
projects for, for the last 20 years. And it's systematic. It's basically project management. Once you identify all the tasks, you start to put them in a logical order. You put them on a schedule. You understand what your timeline is. And you basically focus on one step at a time rather than focusing on the entire whole because that is overwhelming. It's just a lot of people just don't get started because they see all the tasks and they mm. think you got to do them instantly instead of the a process. Oh, definitely. I've found the same thing. You can only have so much going on in your head and it's a lot easier to put it on paper. Even if, if it's as simple as using an Excel spreadsheet and, and listing it out, it's, it's enough to go, okay, well, what's important? What can I do today? What can I delegate? Or what can I defer to later? And it, it really does help streamline that process. Really, it's all just about taking action, daily action, focusing on, on the day-to-day. That's all we have, really. Agree. There's nothing that motivates you like action. That's Even the smallest action is a motivator. If you see any kind of progress, we can apply that to anything in life, whether that's building relationships or going to the gym and getting your fitness. Like When do you start to see any kind of change that's going to motivate you to keep moving forward? So with business, it's just like anything else. If you take even the baby steps, if you feel like that you finish that day and you accomplish one thing that's going to move you a little bit closer to your goal, it's going to motivate you the next day to get up and keep trying again. Yeah, it's all about building that momentum and taking those little actions and to get that ball rolling. And then for me personally, I found once I've taken a bit of action, then the momentum can sort of carry you on for a bit. And then it's all about just sustaining that momentum. Uh, exactly. You talk, talked about a bit before, you said identifying self-limiting beliefs. Do a few come up that you hear these days that you go, that's definitely a, a limiting belief. And if you do, uh, what are they? I would say the number one excuse actually is in the book is this is fear of failure. But what you you need to understand is a lot of times we aren't really afraid to fail. We fail a lot of things in life. But the the main thing that the next layer of that fear is actually the fear of criticism. People are more afraid of what other people are going to say about their failure than the actual failure itself. But they use that surface level excuse like I'm afraid of failure is because that's like the, the politically correct answer that everybody kind of shares. And they hope that when they give you that excuse that the conversation will end at that point because they think you're going to understand them. But then they meet someone like yourself or like myself and we call them out on that. And we're like, are you really afraid of failing or are you just afraid of what people are going to say when they fail? Oh, well, you know, the critics and the naysayers and the haters, you know, you know what will they say? And here's the thing, guys, these critics and naysayers that are in your life, they're not going to be at your funeral. And if you're not going to be at your funeral, don't let them run your life. It's really that simple. They're not important. You're going to realize that the more success that you achieve, the more extraordinary things that you do, especially in the public, you're going to gain more haters and critics along the way. That's just part of the game. And until you understand that that's part of the process and it's to be expected, you're just going to have to like get past that. Once you understand that, then you'll be able to do what you need to do. That's so true. Those those naysayers, and um, they're only a small part of your your overall life. And at some point, they'll probably fall by the wayside anyway, and then you'll forget about them. That's right. That's if if they start to see your progress, just like you are, then they realize that you're serious about something, and they kind of just go away. But here's the thing: you'll find a new a new wave of them will show up magically, like every couple months, and then they'll realize that you're legit and you're doing things, and then they disappear. They, they come in waves. It's like we'll call it the wave of trolls. <laughs> so just expect it and don't fight it but don't engage them just just be like hey thank you for responding to my social media post like you increase the algorithm therefore more people will see my post i appreciate your input <laughs> <laughs> i like that response it's great uh what important to help with for those that are still struggling with or continue to struggle 
with dealing with an ASA is what, what are some ways that they can sort of bolster their mindset? For me, I found that getting involved at a community of like-minded people has definitely helped. Have you found the same? Yeah, and it's, it's important also to understand that naysayers are not, a, they're not necessarily people that dislike you. Some naysayers could be your spouse, could be your brother, your sister, your parents, your friends, because a lot of people love to share, well, let's say all people love to share advice, correct? Correct. Everyone's got their own opinion. Everyone, everyone wants to give your opinion, even if you don't ask for it. They all want to share that advice, but you got to put it into context with who that person is and what their risk aversion is. So if they're not someone that's willing to take risks, that have never bet on themselves, have low self-confidence, have not achieved the things that you want to achieve, that means their advice really isn't going to be any, any use. So you just thank them for their advice and go do your thing. A lot of people value the advice from people that they love because they think, oh, well, they're just looking out for me, but they're really not. They're, they're giving you their opinion based on their own risk assessment and things that they haven't done. So take advice from people who have accomplished the things that you want to achieve, not the people who run away from the adversity moments or challenges in life that you're actually trying to overcome. Yeah, for me, I guess, I guess in my life, I guess the voice of reason, and I've, I've had to take what, what she suggested with, with a grain of salt, knowing that, you know, she's coming from the best intentions. She wants the best for me, but she'd prefer that I would stay in a, in a um, corporate career, career my whole life. And I know that for me, that's won't happen. I've, I've, got, I've got desires and ambitions to do a lot more. But, you know, the opinion comes from a place of love, and I, I acknowledge it and sort of move on and, and take that with me. It's a generational message, and it's it's when you grow up and and I grew up in the lower middle class, and you're surrounded by your parents and all their friends and your friends' parents, and they're all in that same that same group, and you're told at an early age that success is defined by having a steady job, having a wife, having two children and a house and a car. Like if you achieve these little check boxes, you've achieved success. So you set your goals really low because that's what you perceive as success. Everybody's told you this in your entire life, all the way through school. Get a steady job. Find that wife or husband. Have two kids. Get a house. Have a car. Like, boom. If you do that, you feel like, oh, man, I've made it. But honestly, the fact is, is nobody feels like they made it when they get to that level. Because it's really easy to see everybody else out there living a lot higher lifestyle, doing a lot more interesting things, engaging, having a more... You know, robust life, you know, that exists. And you're like, well, what about that over there? You get curious, but then the same group of this low thinking mentality are like, oh, you don't want that. Those people were born rich. They're, they're greedy. And they're trying to put, put all these negative imagery in your mind about these people who have success. And they're just making all these false assumptions because they want to keep you at that same level as them. There's a lot of people out there that don't want you to see you, you succeed at a level higher than them. And it's sad. It's like the crab mentality story, right? You got to be wary of that. And you got to understand that if you want something out there, it's obvious that it's happened. Other people, thousands of people have already accomplished what you want. Like figure it out. There's people out there willing to coach you, mentor you, give you advice to get to that level. You just have to, how bad do you want it? That's what it comes down to. Yeah. How bad do you want it? And what are you uh, willing to give up with what you have at the moment to get it? Because I think anything that you introduce into your life, it's a balance. You know, you've only got a limited amount of time or money or both. If you spend um, a lot of time watching Netflix, for example, you know, you might have to give up that. For me, it was video games. Happened over probably two years is giving up video games or most of it anyway. 
letting it dictate my life. And it was, yeah, over a course of time. But it comes down to, yeah, like you said before, how bad do you want it? And what, what are you willing to, to sacrifice to get it? Yeah, here's the thing, guys. Your, your priorities, that's the way we reframe things. When I work with my clients and they tell me about they don't have time, that's a big excuse. I don't have time to do that. I've got kids, I've got a wife, or I've got school, or I've got this job. I mean, you can think of any amount of excuses that can rob time from you. Because like you said, we only have the same 24 hours per day. I agree. But when you start to say, well, this is not your priority, like when they say, well, I don't have time to start a business, like, well, that's just not your priority. Or they say, yeah, I wish I was in better shape. Yeah, I don't have time to go to the gym. I was like, well, your health is not your priority. And when you reframe it that way, all of a sudden it kind of stings a little bit. It causes a little pain because it, if you hear it that way, like my health is not my priority. Becoming more affluent or successful is not my priority. Man, that has some pain, but you have to pay attention to those pains. If someone says that to you and you're listening right now and you hear that and you're feeling that pain, pay attention to pain because pain is often the indicator of the path that you need to go on because you need to go conquer that pain. So if you feel like you're feeling pain from not doing those things, you got to take the step to make sure that pain goes away. How do you do that? You conquer those fears. You do things. You, you make sacrifices. But here's the thing, guys. Whatever you're doing today, that's your priority. Whatever you actually doing, whether it's sitting on the couch, watching Netflix, playing video games, surfing Facebook for four hours, or doing these things, just wasting time, that is your priority. And when you reframe it that way as well, it's like, holy crap, is, is playing games really my priority? And when you reframe it that way, you're like, no, it's not. Definitely not my priority. Like, I should be doing this instead. So then you start to find different time things that you can cut out. Because here's the fact, we always make time for our priorities. We always make time for our priorities. I agree. I tell people the same thing whenever they say, oh, I don't have enough time. I say, oh, well, look at your priorities. Yeah, you're right. If something does sting, the only way you're going to conquer it and make it sting less is to go towards it. You know, if you avoid it, then it's just going to get stronger. And that pain that you feel will, will get stronger the next time someone mentions it. So it may be, may be harder in the short term to go towards it, but in the long term, it definitely pays off. Yeah, those high level excuses, you just got to get past all those things saying like, I don't have time, I don't have money, I don't have knowledge, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good looking enough, or whatever it is. Like these are all high level excuses that the general public shares with each other, because they think that they're going to end the conversation on that point. Yeah, definitely. I actually had one for a couple of years. And it, it wasn't until I found someone else to disprove me. But one of one of my self limiting beliefs, and it sounds crazy, about five foot four, I told myself, and I don't know where it came from, but I, I told myself that I couldn't be successful because I was five foot four. And I saw everyone around me being successful and they were taller. And it was probably just the nature of just height distribution more than anything else. And it wasn't until I found a family member who had achieved success that that was enough to shatter my uh, that self-limiting belief. Yeah, there's a lot worse things that you can have than being shorter than the average. It's it's purely a self-limiting belief. There's too many people out there who have achieved success with a lot worse disabilities and mm. you know physical and mental disabilities. And and when you think about like just being shorter, it's like that's that's not really even a good reason to to not go pursue your dreams. It's like you should be grateful that you can walk around and have all your functions and your mental capacities. First of all, you know, a lot of people don't have that, so it's kind of like when you feel like there's a point of despair about you, something about physical about you, realize that other people have accomplished some incredible things in their lives with worse situations. And when you start to see that level of gratitude, like, man, I don't have as bad as that person. And they did that. It's like, I have no damn excuse. And that's true. You don't have an excuse. 
Yeah, exactly. If someone else has done it in a position that's less favorable than yours, then, then you can definitely do it. As humans, we're remarkably adaptable to our environment. Yeah, you'll find that when you're when you're too comfortable is when people don't take action. That's that's the thing. Is a lot of people, especially when they get into that middle income range, and they just go, "Oh, I made it," you know, and life's not so bad. But they're lying to themselves because they'd rather be doing something else. Let's be honest; they'd rather be doing something else. Otherwise, they wouldn't be reading books to learn how to make you know more money, things like that. So they have this interest, but they're comfortable. They get complacent. They're not going to take action. So that's that's the dangerous place to be. And if you're in that group where you have a steady job and your bills are being paid and you can go afford to the movies and have dinner a couple nights a week. And you think that that's okay. Like if you're in that mode, you're not hungry anymore. You're not, you're not going to do what it takes. So that's the general population. That's why they have phrases called the 1% because that people, let's even round it down. Let's call it the 3% or the 5%. If you can make it in the top 5%, that means you did what other people are not willing to do to achieve that. Yeah, and that that's really powerful stuff, and definitely gives you a goal to work work towards as well. If you want to be in the top, you know, top five percent, then you've got to do what the ninety five percent won't to get there. Yeah, and it's and it's really not that much different. And you'll find that a lot of people, I would say that the top ten percent, you won't find a lot of variation between skills or talents or knowledge between the top ten percent and the rest of the ninety percent. The only difference is they actually took action. They actually did something about it. That's the defining thing. Is you don't have to be the smartest person. You don't have to be the best looking or whatever it is, like whatever you think that's holding you back. The deciding factor is that you just have to bet on yourself and take action. Hmm. Even if you don't know where, where that action will get to or, or what the long-term objective is, I think the world changes so quickly. But as long as you take action, then you can, you can course correct later on. Definitely. And then you can come back and go, oh. And then you, know, you might see things that you wouldn't have seen before, if you hadn't taken action, you know, a month into it, you might see new possibilities that you can go towards that you would have never have, have um, imagined had you would not have taken any action. So don't don't be afraid. I guess to, to the audience that's listening, don't be, be yeah. afraid to take imperfect action, even if you don't know where it's going to lead, and even if you don't have an idea of of what the whole picture will be or what it will look like. If you have even a, a slightest inkling of an, of an idea, take it and then course correct later. Because it's much easier to course correct when you've got momentum than, than not do anything at all. That's hugely important, especially for anyone that's out there building a social media brand or things like that. It's, it's consistency and persistence actually will get you a lot further than talent because you'll find that a lot of people will have this idea of a business they're going to create. First of all, yeah, let's, let's address that. Like If you're waiting for perfection, you're never going to get started. There's no perfect time than now. So a lot of times there's a lot of people out there thinking, oh, my business model is not perfect. My product's not perfect. And they sit on the sidelines waiting and waiting, waiting for this perfect opportunity. And it's just never going to come because whatever excuses that you have today are just going to get replaced by better excuses later. So whatever you think is the worst time, sometimes that's the best time to start. Sometimes you, when you hit rock bottom and you're hungry and you're driven, like you have if your back's against the wall, those are some of the times that people create the most amazing companies or or services or something like that because they have no choice. But don't quit. You have to keep going. It's all right to course correct. It's okay to not be the expert at the first because a lot of times you'll find that anyone who's willing to admit after they've reached success, a lot of times they don't know the things that they do and they jump in. Like I've started companies where I had zero knowledge in that industry, but 
I was willing to learn and put in the work and learn and, and take expert advice and do these things to grow that company. So don't think that you have to have all the answers to start a company. You just have to have enough answers to get started. And you may change your mind. You may decide that the market is telling you to go to a different direction. The market's going to tell you if your product sucks or your, your service sucks. But they also, the market is going to tell you, hey, Aiden, we need you over here. Like, this is what you're really good at. And you're getting a lot of interest in this segment. And you're getting a lot of clients over here. Potential, you said the opportunities start to present themselves. But if you're staying consistent and, you, and you're just really pushing that momentum forward, never be afraid of going that direction because it's going to lead you to the, the success that you're looking for. But a lot of people quit. A lot of people just, oh, this isn't working. So they quit and they disappear for a few months on social media. And then they come up with this new idea that they're going to do and they jump in and they start doing this again. And then, and here's the bad thing about doing that. If you do that on social media, people are watching you. And if you disappear and you go ghost for a couple months and you're regrouping or changing your ideas and, and you don't mention anything about that, they're going to be like, next time you come up with this new thing. And like, it's like whenever you meet like that guy in town and he hands you a different business card, like every time you meet, like, man, this guy's always trying to get, get rich quick, blah, 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 bull crap. So don't be that person because you basically lose all your momentum every time you start. And the people that are going to watch you and they're going to be like, oh, this guy again, like, man, he failed that last thing and he just disappeared. Like, what's next? And they roll their eyes when they look at you. But here's the thing. If you would have just stayed with that first endeavor and let's say it didn't work out, let's say it's not working out, you share that information. You go, hey, you know what? This company's not going the direction I thought. I have this great idea. I think I'm going to start moving in this direction and, and like, let's see where it goes and just keep it interesting. Keep it exciting. Share that social media. So now you've made a course correction, but you didn't go silent to do that. And so you keep that momentum. You keep your audience and they're rooting for you now. They're like, man, this guy's really being transparent. He's sharing that failures do happen. That's inspiring to me. Like, I want to jump in and do this stuff now. See the difference there? Yeah, that's definitely, definitely valuable, worthwhile documenting what you're doing. Great when, when you're on a high, but also when you're on a low and going through those phases. People definitely resonate a lot more with both. But if you do both, not just if you... I mean, everyone these days just puts um, their best version of themselves forward on, on all these social media platforms. You can really stand out even if you just start to share a little bit more about the not so good days and the days where you've got a bit of self-doubt and you know the self-doubt will come. It doesn't go away. It sort of just ebbs and flows like the naysayers in a sense. And by sharing it, you take people along with you on a ride, on a journey so that when you, you, know, when you inevitably do go up and do have these, these massive successes, people aren't looking at you going, oh, making all these excuses while you got there. They can actually track you and go, okay, well, He's had a lot of downs. Well, the reason he got there was because he did persist and he and he take consistent action. And he might have course corrected, but he never gave up. And that's that's liberating. That gives people hope. That's important. Being vulnerable is a is a strength. It's a show of courage. A lot of people protect their vulnerabilities. They guard their vital organs type thing. It's just like you you grow up telling being told to fit in. You you know, but you don't wanna you don't wanna stand out because you'll get ostracized. People will make fun of you. Like make sure you dress like your friends and talk like your friends and like what your friends like. And so you grow up into these adults being told to fit in. So when you go to the corporate workforce, you're dressing exactly like them at work. You're got the same haircut. Whatever it is, like you're just trying to fit in because you've been told that standing out is going to have all these negative effects in your life. And that's this belief that we're pounded into our head for you know, our early decades, like the first 20 years of our life, essentially. And then you realize that 
the successful people are the ones that actually were willing to be outstanding. And the literal definition of that is to stand apart from the crowd. It's really that simple. There's no successful people that decided to fit in. They've always been like the ones that went against the grain to try to create new things, spoke their actual opinions rather than groupthink. You know, we have a lot of politics, like today's a voting day here in the U.S. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of groupthink. A lot of people just get into these echo chambers of people who just agree with what they say. And even if they disagree with, let's say that they, there's something that's going on out there and you you actually disagree with the masses, but you're afraid to say that because you're afraid of being ostracized in that group. Well, that's the wrong way to take that. Because I guarantee if you're respectful in your in your actual opinions and you share that with the public, you're going to gain far more respect as somebody that's going to speak their mind instead of being in the crowd. So it's the opposite effect. And people are so afraid of being singled out or whatever it is. But it's just how you carry that message, how you portray yourself that's going to matter rather than the words that you're actually saying. Yeah, yeah. It's everything around it. I mean, words are only a small portion of of communication as well. And it's, you know, your intent behind those words that matters probably more than than the words you say. I mean, yeah, you're right. People do respect people being sort of their, their true versions of themselves as opposed to playing it safe. When you go along with what everyone else thinks, you're putting yourself in a, in a safe environment and you're sort of protecting yourself from, from your actual opinions, if they differ, for sure. Yeah, there's a, there's a classic book called Self-Reliance and it's by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Some of you may have heard that, that author. It's a classic. And the, the gist of that book, Self-Reliance, is that you should never be afraid to voice your actual opinions and also you should never be afraid to change your mind. A lot of people hold on to this this foolish thing, like let's say you make a broad statement based on the information you have today, right? You have this opinion about something and then you learn about new things. You learn different backgrounds or whatever. You do some more research, more education, more influence. And let's say your mind changes. A lot of people are unwilling to change their mind in public because they've already made this bold statement in in regard to that subject. But the strongest people will be the ones like, hey, I've learned something new. I disagree with what I said yesterday. This is what I'm going to do today. This is what I believe today based on what I know today. But people will hold on to that foolish nonsense of just, well, stay the course because I've already said it and uh, I don't want to hurt my reputation or whatever it is. They realize they give up all their influence and their authority and things when they just basically stay the course. It's foolish. So you, you start to realize that the people who have achieved success in historic times, I mean, this book was written several 150 years ago or something like that. It was basically the ones who stood out even then were the ones who would go against the grain and just share what was on their mind. And, you know, for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, a, a, perfect, um, a perfect example of that could be a, you don't have the same opinions as you did when you were a kid. You know, you might have said something to someone and that person might, might still be in your life when you were a child. It's okay to, to change your mind as you learn more, as you grow, both in a physical sense and a mental sense as you, as you grow and learn. It's perfectly okay to change your mind. And if you're afraid of social judgment, then it could be as simple as explaining, you know, you've done this extra research or you've in this area and this is why you've come up with your new opinion as a way of sort of um, qualifying it and going, okay, well, I haven't just changed my mind because that's what I've done. I've actually gone, gone ahead and, you know, looked at the situation a bit more deeper and I've understood these, you know, these gold nuggets that I found. And realize that the circle that you run with, it's a great way to assess the circle that you're currently in because there are people who are just 
they're off the deep end on either direction of some of these these social topics and whatnot. And you're never going to change their mind. They're just self-limiting beliefs. They have a fixed mindset. They're not going to change their mind because they feel like they're part of this big group and rah, 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 we're right, they're wrong. And they're just never going to change those people, right? So that's a great way to assess the group you're in. If you're willing to share your actual opinion on thoughts on something and you're getting negative fallout from that, then it's probably the wrong group to be in. Yeah, because you want you, you want the group around you to, to support you in a sense, not to pump you up all the time, but definitely to, to not pull you down, to help you to grow is probably a better word. Yeah, it's okay to disagree with people. Understand that. It's okay to disagree. We're all different. We have different perspectives, different opinions. Disagreement is a beautiful thing when it's managed properly, if you're doing things respectfully. If you can open up the floor to a respectful de- debate, you may actually learn something from that person as well. But when it boils down to name calling or you know they're talking about you behind your back and things like that, that's the wrong people to be around because those people are never going to change. And that's a great way to evaluate your circle of friends. If, you're, if you spend more time with your friends talking negatively about other people versus spending time with your friends talking about your dreams and your passions and your goals, that's going to tell you right there if you're in the right group or not. You don't want to be in that negative group because those people just hold each other down. And it's only a matter of time until you're the negative one that they're speaking about. Tony, a question that I like to ask all guests is, what's your definition of the grind? To me, it's being relentless and just pushing and pushing and pushing and not quitting. A lot of people, they, they meet some kind of adversity or challenge in anything they're accomplishing and they go the other way. A lot of times, this is the path of least resistance people take. If, if the business model is not working and they believe in it, but they quit and they go do something else, and they change directions. And to me, it's like seeing things through to a completion. And I realize that sometimes that results in a failure. But if it was all for the right reasons and it came from your heart and you believed in yourself and Things didn't just work out. That's fine. But a lot of times the first hint of adversity or the first critic or things like that, that people just just quit and they go do something else. And I I think the grind to me is just showing up every single day, putting in the right work and just taking those baby steps that we talked about earlier. Just just little steps make a big difference over time. If you're to take little half steps and you did that for months and you turned back around, you're going to have covered a very long distance in in that amount of time. Where if you just would have quit because you came to a bump in the road, you know, it's like there's nothing to show for that. People always remember the ones who quit. They also remember the ones who don't quit. Oh, wonderful. Thanks for your perspective on that word. I love how everyone's got a different take on it. It's good to hear. Yeah, Tony, thanks again so much for coming on the podcast. Really do appreciate taking time out of your busy day, um, especially after uh, a vacation and playing catch up. So thank you for allocating, yeah, the small amount of time to talk. I appreciate being on the show. I hope your audience finds some value in it. And you know, if you guys want to reach me, you can reach me on my website at 365driven.com. And you can find my social media channels there, or the, the book, the blog, the podcast, everything's on that website. So that'd be a great way to reach me. And I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Tony. All right. Cheers. All right, bye.